This is Live 360 with Tony Sutherland, and you're listening to episode 26. Part three, here we go. Guys, this is going to put some more rocket fuel in that extra tank you've got. You've got more reserves than you realize you've got. And after listening to these episodes, I'm sure you probably discovered some some reserves you didn't think you had. But I'm so glad you're here today. Listen, man, this podcast, Live 360, is all about pointing lives to Jesus and helping people discover the glorious life through the gospel of grace. We want to point as many lives as we can to Jesus, and you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast, leaving us a review. Please, you know, let us know what you think. We want to know what people think out there. It kind of helps us, you know, revise and shape our content. Um, We're not trying to give you what you want. We want to give you what you need, but we also want to find out what you need. So you need to tell us by leaving a review, share what you think. It's okay, man. We're all right. We want to give God the glory for what he's saying through our lives. We know that it's blessing you. You've been so gracious. One of these episodes, we'll just have to share some of our reviews that are already out there. But for now, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, and share it with a friend or two in your life that you know needs to hear what you're hearing, how it can bless them, and how they can find out more about the glorious life of living the Spirit-filled life, not the Spirit-forced life. We're going to talk about that today. So let's get started with part three of the Grace filled prayer life. We're going to be starting with point number five and hopefully end on point number seven. So let's do this. We have been discovering the grace-filled prayer life. We're rethinking this whole prayer thing and we pray through a new covenant. So let me just review real quick what we talked about in the first two parts of the last two episodes. Number one, when we pray, we make a move start somewhere. Number two, say it once. Don't be redundant and keep thinking that God's not hearing you. Number three, talk to a person, talk normal, use your own language, speak from your heart, be authentic. Number four, we want to lean on God, not our own praying, not our own effort, not our own discipline. God does not reward us by discipline. He rewards us through Jesus. Jesus has already accomplished it. So we go through him. Okay. Now, let's start at point number five today. Number five, when you pray, consider it done. Because prayer isn't telling God what he doesn't know or what he needs to do. It's agreeing and declaring that it has already been done. Come on, guys. Numbers 14 and 28. We, we shared that scripture from the very beginning. As I live, says the Lord, as I live, it's based on me. It's based on my power. It's based on my, my strength. As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. You need to consider it done. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Christ has already provided everything we need for all we ask. That's why Jesus told us to say amen. Say amen. Let it be so. It is done. It is finished. Jesus concluded his work on the cross with it is finished. And guess what? 
That's not at the end of our prayer. We start where Christ left off. Everything in the Christian life starts with finished, starts with done, starts with done now. Now faith is. It's done before you already let it out of your mouth. So why don't you just consider it done? Sometimes we just have to settle our issues with it is finished. It is done. God, as I come to you right now, I know you've already heard me before I speak, but I'm just going to let it out and then just declare it's, it is finished. I remember seasons in my life when I've anxiously prayed for things and I look back and see that they have been accomplished and see that they were done and see that God moved and answered prayer and it was already done. Because God doesn't live within the confines of time. He's not limited by beginning and ending. That's why he is the beginning and he is the ending. He doesn't start at the beginning and end at the ending. He's all of it at once. He's the beginning and the end. Beginning and end is all inside Christ. He is outside of our timeline. He's in the past. He's in the present and he's in the future. He doesn't just remember the past, work in the present, and think of the future or know the future. He's in all three at one time. He is, he was and is and is to come. He's the all-sufficient God. He's everywhere at once, past, present, future, in every location and in every state and in every town and in every situation. He's in the point that we're in right now and he's already down the road. He's there because he's outside of time. So when you pray to God, you're not praying for something to come. You're praying for something that's done. That's how you pray. You pray to a God that is outside of time. He doesn't operate on our timetable. That's why Jesus showed up late to Lazarus' funeral. Because Jesus doesn't have to operate on our timetable. He comes when he wants to come. He shows himself when he wants to show up. Consider it done when you pray. And I've prayed so anxiously over the, over the years about things. I remember looking at a picture of my brother 28, 29 years ago when he was in the worst place in his life and I used to cry and have burdens over him and pray for him and worry about him and, 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 and just anxiously fret about him. And I had a picture by his bed and one day I was praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, Tony, turn that picture face down. He's in my hands. You're done. It's done. Quit worrying about him. Quit being anxious about him. And 28 years later, He's on fire for God. He loves Jesus. He goes to church. His wife is saved. They're both involved. He trusts God. But that was 28 years later. But guess what? To God, it was right now because God doesn't operate on our timetable. So when you pray, pray and believe that it is done right now. Prayer is like signing a contract that God created, not you. (laughs) God says, go ahead and sign that. You don't need to sign it. It's already done. But God says, here, I've already, listen, you're doing all this worrying. You don't have to worry. Let me work. You just worship me. You've prayed about it. You were worried about it. Now let it go. I got this. You know, in Matthew 18 and 18, that scripture that I just read, truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's a legal terminology. That's legal terminology. When you pray now, this contract that's going on with your mouth, it's being bound in heaven. In other words, it's legally binding in heaven. And whatever you cancel on earth is canceled in heaven. We're literally, we're literally speaking words that God has already based in a contract that's been done in the heavens. We pray the will of God. 
First John chapter five, verse 14 and 15 says, when we pray according to the will of God, we know that he hears us and we have the petitions we've asked for. Let me give you an example. Some of you are praying that your lost loved ones will come to Jesus, that they will give their hearts to Jesus. Do you know his word says that it is his will that no one should perish? So when you pray that prayer, it's done. God's not going to say, yeah, you know, I don't know about him. He's a pretty rough character. Yeah, you're going to have to pray a little bit harder for him. No, you're praying the will of God. God sent his son to die for lost souls. So when you ask God to reach down or reach out and save a lost loved one, that's done. That's finished because God wants it done. You need to pray the will of God, pray his heart, pray his will. And you will see results to your prayers. I promise you. I look back over my life and even the times when I doubted God and I wasn't sure, God did it. So why don't you just start from the get-go and consider it done. Stop worrying about it. Stop stressing about it and start resting in the grace of God to hear your prayers. You'll say, well, I'm not, I'm not doing very well in my spiritual walk. I don't know if God will hear me. Folks, God listens to you. When you read the book of Romans, Paul called the the church at Rome saints to the saints who are at Rome, to the holy ones who are at Rome. Don't you know that there were probably some people at the church at Rome that probably weren't holy looking and holy, you know, they probably just did not reflect God very well. They were living in a pagan culture. They were new Christians and God just said, you're holy, you're a saint. And when a saint prays, God listens. Guys, I'm telling you, you're you're qualified to pray, not by your lifestyle, but by what Jesus did in you. You're qualified to pray because of the work that Christ did. You're qualified to pray because of what the blood has accomplished in your life. You, You are qualified to pray because you're forgiven. And you're not just forgiven of your sins. You're a forgiven person. You're a forgiven person. So when you pray, Pray according to the authority that's been given you, not how well you're living and how well you're doing. And don't pray that way. Pray based on what Christ has done and consider it done. All right. So point number five was consider it done. Point number six, and I may should have shared this at the top, but hey, you know, these aren't in any kind of order. This isn't a formula for prayer. These are concepts and thoughts that will help you pray more like the child of God that you are. Point number six is let go of your pride. I believe one of the reasons why we don't hear God answer prayers sometimes is because we prefer that he answer our prayers on our terms. Caps, caps that, our terms. So I've learned that when I pray, I want to take the limits off of my thinking, the limits off of my uh frustrations and anxieties when I pray, but I also want to take the limits off of God. If that could even be done, God has no limits, but I think one of the things that limits us getting breakthroughs in our prayers is because we want God to answer our prayers on our terms. We limit God and we choose to do this by choosing our own environment, our method, our expectations, or our assignment or our surroundings. Let me give you an example. I've heard people say, you know, I just don't think I could ever live in the northern part of the United States. I just, I just, nah, I just don't want to live there. So when we pray, we're praying that God would keep us in the southern part of the United States, especially for ministry. If you're a minister 
and you're saying, you know, we're praying with like a certain few territories in mind. God, I just pray that you would open doors in South Carolina and North Carolina and open up doors in Tennessee and Florida. <laughs> Cause I just don't like the North God. So just don't open any doors in the North God. I just really don't want to go up there. And I certainly don't want to go out to California, God, cause it's going to, there's going to come an earthquake and it's going to fall into the ocean. So God don't send me out to North to California. Just keep me in Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. You know, you, you hear what I'm saying? We say I could never move. We, some people are saying I could never move north. What they're saying is I'm never going to move north. Some people are saying I can't leave mom and dad. I know a guy. I'm telling you, man, he's not going to ever leave his mommy and daddy. He's 28, 29 years old. He's not leaving mommy and daddy. He doesn't want to be anywhere where he's not with his family. With his, with his mommy and his daddy. He wants to be close to mommy and daddy so that when he gets married, he can be with mommy and dad. I'm just telling you guys, when you pray, you got to take the limits off of your fears and off of your faith. How about this one? I could never do that. People say that. I could never do that. I don't want to do that. So God, just answer the prayers that are comfortable for me. Put me in a place where I'm comfortable. Put me in a place where I don't have any real challenges or really have to deal with any fears or anxieties or, you know, inhibitions. God, just just keep it safe. So I'll pray unlimited prayers within a limited sphere of where I live, what I feel, who I know. God says, listen, if you really want me to answer the prayer you're you're praying, you got to take all the limitations off. The three most important words you will ever pray are wherever, whenever, and whatever. The three big W's. Wherever you want me to go, God, whenever you want me to do it and whatever it is, God, I completely and totally surrender all of my expectations and I give it to you, God, because sometimes we want to, we want to pray for our kids to be saved and be a certain place. God, save them and make them do this and do this. And God, do no, God says, put them in my hands. Just give them to me. Stop giving me instructions. Give me the person. And then you obey my instructions. Give me your, your territory. Just give me everything. Give me your property. Give me your belongings. When we made Jesus Savior, he was also Lord in our life. He's not just a Savior. He's Lord. He gets, he gets to call the shots. And when we pray, he calls the shots, not us. Because he's the shot caller. Not us. We don't call the shots with God. He tells us what to do, where to go, who to marry, who not to marry. Listen to him when you pray. That's as important. Listening in your dialogue with God is as important as speaking. We need to listen with as much passion as we do praying out loud and with words. We need to listen. God, speak to me and give me the courage to obey you. I always tell people, obey God and leave the consequences in his hands. God, I'm afraid if I do this, this will happen. God says, why don't you just do it and leave the consequences in my hand? It's going to be for your good. It doesn't mean you won't walk through some struggles and some challenges and have to overcome some hurdles of fear and perspective and, you know, change of life and your family background and where you live and your comfort zone. Sometimes when I say, Lord, bring me into your perfect will, what I'm actually praying is for God to complicate my life. So why don't you just say, God, complicate my life? Because when you step out, of outside your comfort zone, you're going to step into some complications, but you need to trust God. So number six is let go of your pride. Quit holding on to the, to the issue and the matter and the future and the circumstances and the surroundings and praying within a limited sphere of territory. 
just take all the limitations off your faith, take all the limitations off of God and say wherever, whenever, and whatever. Hey guys, I just want to break into the middle of this real quick and remind you that if you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a review and then share it with one or two other people that you know need to hear what you've been listening to today. Listen, so many people in our friendships and relationships don't enjoy prayer and they don't have a prayer life because they feel like it's such a drudgery and it's all labor and all intensive and all self-discipline and and they just, you know, it's it's more of a work than a joy. Listen, having a conversation and a meaningful ongoing dialogue with God is awesome. I love my prayer life and I've learned how to let some of the religious stuff fly off of me so that I can walk with God and enjoy communion and fellowship. So let's jump back into the content. Uh, remember to subscribe, leave us a review and share it. And then uh, when we come back at the end, I'll have a few closing comments. So let's get it. And that's all I need to say about that one. Man, it's getting real now. It's getting real now. Guys, come on. Take the limits off of God when you pray. Set aside your fears and your worries, which means you got to pray bold prayers, means you got to be bold in your perspective. God, whatever, whenever, and where, and whenever. The three W's. Okay, so I want to share this last point. And, you know, at this point, you may not agree with this. I don't know what side of the fence you're on. But this is a very powerful point in prayer. And I wanted to end with this so that you would, you know, you could digest the rest of the things I said, but maybe this last one is, you know, it's different for you and you're not sure about it, but some of you will be all about it and some of you will be none about it. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you know what I just shared. The last six points are super powerful. They're, it's, it's worth listening to this podcast. But this last one, I believe in this stuff. I've walked in this now for many, many years. And I'm telling you, this last point, number seven, makes a humongous, like what Elf said, ginormous. Have you seen these toilets? They're ginormous. This is a ginormous point in our prayer walk. Number seven, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Romans 8 and 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Mm. That lets me know that something else is praying inside of me. It's called the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a small adjustment in your prayer life that yields huge results. Small keys open large doors. The Bible tells us we don't know what to pray, period. Not just when we don't know what to pray, but we don't even know how to pray like we should. Read that again, Romans 8 and 26. And by the way, the book of Romans, as I've told you many times before on these podcasts, is a book about the free gift of righteousness through grace. It's Paul's case for grace. And in the middle of the book of Romans, diving into the book of Romans, Paul starts talking about the prayer life. And we're talking about a grace-filled prayer life. What a point to end on this teaching. 
he tells us that in the same way, the spirit also helps our weaknesses. When you pray, you're weak. When I pray, I'm weak. My faith is weak. My perspective is weak. I, 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 I'm fearful. I'm fretful. I'm confused. I don't understand the future. I don't see past my nose. And so sometimes when I'm praying, I'm praying within limited perspective. I'm afraid to surrender. I'm afraid to give over to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I'm praying out of my own flesh and my own my own faith in my own ability to pray. And, and so while I'm praying, I have what I call the infirmity of prayer. I'm weak in my prayer. You know, no, I've heard people say, Oh, she's a strong prayer warrior. No, she's not. She's a, she's a soldier that's learned how to rely on Jesus when she's prayed or he has prayed. Prayer warriors are people that have been through some fights and they've struggled and they've wrestled and they've come to the end of themselves and they've learned how to trust and rely and rest on the Lord. Prayer is not a battle. Prayer is a surrender. Prayer is not going into battle. Prayer is going into surrender. Lord, I surrender. I don't know. The battle is the Lord's. All I got to do is surrender. The battle is not mine. It's not a battle of prayer. It's a battle of surrender. Will I surrender? That's where the battle is. I surrender all. That's the whole and guys, we're too weak to do that because we like control. So we pray with an infirmity. It's called self. It's called self-perspective. It's called pride. So to let go of your pride, you got to ask the Lord to help you break through that weakness. And that's why Paul is saying your strength, your effort, your ability is a weak. You can't even save yourself. So how are you going to get your prayers to go through if you can't even do the basis of your salvation was to save yourself? God has to save you and God has to be the one to pray through you in the same way that we're saved, in the same way that we come into a relationship with God, Romans 8 and 26, in the same way that we come into this relationship with God, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses for we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know how to talk to God. We don't even know how to put it all together. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Right now, did you know that your great high priest, Jesus, is praying for you? He intercedes before the Father night and day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's times when I can't pray, don't know what to pray, forget to pray, haven't prayed. But guess what? Jesus is praying for me, so I rely on his prayers. I fall on his. My Christian life is not based on my prayers. My Christian life is based on Jesus' prayers for me. This is a powerful thing that you have to understand so that when you pray, you're coming to someone who's already praying for you. You're relying on the Holy Spirit to pray through you. This is a small adjustment in your prayer life that's going to yield huge results in not only the way you pray, but how you approach it. You're going to approach it more relaxed, more trusting, more confident. God, I'm coming to you because Jesus is already my great high priest. He's interceding. He's carrying everything before you on my behalf. See, sometimes when we pray, we don't really pray. I call it, we fray. F-R-A-Y. We battle. The word fray means battle. We've got to surrender. We've got to surrender the fight to the Lord. Don't fray about it. Pray about it. Many times, you know, when I've started to feel anxiety come over me, I begin to pray in the spirit. And there's two things there that I want to share with you. Some of you may agree with this. You may not. But hey, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Have you ever had the, You got to know what I'm talking about before you'll understand it. But sometimes I'll pray and I'll go, Lord, I just come to you through Jesus. 
and I know you're praying for me. And then number two, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. I call this praying in my heavenly language through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. Some of you may not understand that. You may disagree with me. That's okay, but I'm going to share it anyway. I pray in tongues. I pray in the language that God gave me when he baptized me in the Holy Spirit many years ago. And I'm becoming more comfortable. Now, I don't just break out in public and walk down the street. This is, this is a private thing between me and the Lord. It's a private prayer language. I just open up my mouth and I ask the Holy Spirit to pray through me. And guess what? It starts happening. I start praying in a language that I don't understand. I don't know what it is, but I just open up my mouth and let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Praying in that unknown language. And in the, in the, in the, in the old covenant, the, the Holy Spirit, the spirit was known. It was known as a stream, a stream, a stream that brings peace. You know, I took my son fishing several years ago in the mountains of the Bighorn mountains in Wyoming. And and there was just something about standing out there in the stream with him while he was fishing. I wasn't fishing. I didn't have a fishing pole. I was standing there with him while he was fishing. And he was enjoying it. He was going up and down this stream. You know, the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow streams of living water. Streams of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That was Christ talking about the spirit-filled life. And so many times we force prayers out and push prayers out. But when we pray in the Holy Spirit through that language, through what he gave us the day that, that we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, through speaking in other languages and in other tongues, which is what they heard on the day of Pentecost, by the way, if you go and read it, it says there were people from all over the world and they were hearing this rumbling coming out of this upper room. And it was, it sounded like languages from every nation were being spoken and prayed through and they were declaring the wonderful works of God that didn't stop on the day of Pentecost. It still flows through us today. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive a language in your life that as you pray and you release that prayer that comes out of your life, it flows like streams of living water. And and as I was standing there with my son while he was fishing in those streams in Wyoming, it gave me a picture of what the father is with me. That while I'm fishing, while I'm in the stream and I'm pulling out and tossing my line out there, that's what prayer is. You just toss your line out there. You don't know what's under the water, but you're enjoying it. It's a joy-filled life. That's what prayer is. You're taking your fishing pole and you're just tossing it out into that stream and you're reeling it in. And, and you might feel a bite. You may not feel a bite, but guess what? The Father is standing right there with you. He's your tour guide. He's your fishing guide. He knows where the fish are. And he said, when you pray in the Spirit, it's like going up and down in streams because streams streams of living water in the old in the old covenant the spirit was referred to as streams that it's streams that flow out of us and when i'm praying in the spirit i, I don't always understand what i'm saying but the bible tells me that he is my defending attorney he is my advocate the bible calls the holy spirit my advocate the holy spirit my defending attorney you can look that word up and it'll take you to some scriptures that talk about he is our advocate. He speaks on our behalf. You know, when I'm in court and I'm sitting before the judge, if I'm guilty, I have a defending attorney who speaks on my behalf. My job is to be silent and let the attorney speak for me. 
while the accuser of the brethren, the prosecuting attorney, is prosecuting me and condemning me and making me feel guilty for things I've committed or things I should have done that I didn't do. And he is, he is hurling insults and accusations at me day and night. The accuser of the brethren accuses me day and night. But my Holy Spirit, my advocate, Jesus, is defending my case 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is interceding. He is pleading my case. So therefore, when judgment comes, or accusation comes hurling my way from the prosecuting side, I'm sitting quiet and silent while my Holy Spirit, my advocate, my defending attorney is speaking through my mouth, defending me. That's why I don't need to understand what I'm saying because if I did, I would probably try to change what he's saying and interrupt him and create something new or some new clause or some new legal course. But Jesus knows my case and he's pleading it before God. And by the way, The heavenly father is the judge and my defending attorney is his son. So there's a relationship there. There's, it's unfair to the enemy what God has already done, but God already knows the case too. And so God, Jesus says, can I have a, can I have a sidebar with God? And he goes up and he pleads my case and I've been declared guiltless, spotless, innocent, no matter what I've done. And, and that should never interrupt my prayer. And so many times when I begin to pray, I feel condemned for what I've done or I haven't done. And I start feeling a lack of confidence in my prayer. And that's when we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. We need to allow our defending attorney to speak on our behalf as we pray, because the Bible says, I don't know what to pray, but the Spirit himself prays through me with groanings and utterings that are too deep for words. Now this is on salvation level and this is on prayer level. I've already been spoken for. I'm innocent. I'm guiltless. Whenever I'm being judged by the enemy or accusations are being hurled my way, Jesus is defending my case. So judgment can't touch me. But when I also pray, I begin to pray in the spirit. And in the book of Jude, it talks about praying in our Praying in the spirit, building up our most holy faith. When I pray in the spirit, I build myself up. When anxiety or fear or depression or darkness begins to come over me, I start lifting up my 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 prayer language. I start praying in the spirit and I can feel that fear and that anxiety and that depression begin to lift off of my life. I'm telling you, some of you are scratching your head, but listen, I'm telling you what, man, it works. This stuff is powerful in your prayer life and it will change the way you pray. It will give you rocket fuel to the next level. Let me just share the points that I've shared with you over the past three episodes. Seven powerful ways to live in the grace-filled prayer life. Number one, make a move. Start somewhere. Don't decline an invitation from the Holy Spirit to spend time with Jesus. Number two, say it once. Cut the redundancy out. Pray confidently. God hears you from the moment you speak. Number three, talk to a person. Don't pray in a pattern. Pray to a person. Use normal language. I'm telling you, authentic conversation unlocks your sincerity. Number four, lean on God. Don't lean on your prayer. Don't lean on how well you've done. Don't lean on your Christian life and Christian living. Lean on God. Trust him, lean into him, relax into him, sit back into him and let him work. The battle is the Lord's. Number five, you need to consider it done. Prayer isn't telling God what he doesn't know or what he needs to do. It's agreeing and declaring that it's already been done. Number six, let go of your pride. Let your prayers be filled with these three powerful words, wherever, whenever, and whatever. 
Be open to where God wants to take you. Lift the limits off of God. Prayer isn't a battle. Prayer is surrender. Surrender and give the battle to the Lord. And then number seven, a powerful, life-changing, life-altering way to pray is to pray in the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. Open up your mouth. Let Him pray those words, that language, that unknown tongue through your life. And it will bring you into streams of peace and power that you've never known before. Wow, what a powerful three sessions we've had over these last three weeks. And I, I just pray that these points and these thoughts have removed condemnation and fear and anxiety out of your prayer life, have excited you and, and, and given you some passion and inspiration to start talking to God again, start praying again, start opening up your mouth and creating moments of fresh dialogue and conversation and moments of intimacy with God and and pray without ceasing. Pray all day long. Pray when you go from one room to the next or down the hall or out of your car from the parking lot into your job or maybe you're just working out of your home and maybe you're just going through the day and you're forgetting to talk to God. Just be open. Listen. Have a dialogue with God. Things are about to change in your life for the better. I can feel it right now. I've been really excited as I've shared with you these past three weeks, these past three episodes, and I hope they've put rocket fuel in your tank, and I hope you'll blast off into a whole new grace-filled prayer life through Jesus. Hey, if this has blessed you, again, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, share it with a friend or two that you know needs to hear what you've heard today. Leave us a review, write it out. You can leave us some stars, but it'll help us get the word out to point more lives toward Jesus and share this awesome gospel of grace with everyone that we can. Hey, listen, until next time, we'll see you. 